everyone. Welcome to Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. So today's podcast is all about bringing that great, fun cafe vibe into your home. But first, I'll share my tips for creating a stylish, efficient, complete at-home coffee bar. And then Cindy will provide a breakdown and some great advice for making specialty or mock specialty, which we love here, (laughs) coffee drinks at home. As a reminder, everything covered in today's podcast is available as an entry on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and accessible via links on our podcast site coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. So as many of us have learned over the past year, while working from home can be fantastic in so many ways, there are some major downsides, like missing your morning catch-up with favorite colleagues, having distinct home and workspaces, which is something I know I definitely struggle with, and most importantly, having a coffee break that's not at your desk, which is another thing I definitely struggle with. Yeah, Nicole, Um, I do too. Yeah, that you forget how important that little break is in the middle of the day. And while I'm sure... Many of you, like me, can brew a fabulous cup of coffee at home. It just doesn't have that same magic you get when you go to a cafe and you really just kind of get to step away from the intensity of your work for a few minutes. So thankfully, conjuring that cafe magic in your home is easy and fun. And today we're going to walk you through how we do it at the Queen Bean. The first step to creating the perfect home coffee bar is to scope out potential locations for your bar, being particularly mindful of how you brew and what you need to brew. For example, if you require electricity to heat water, brew, or froth, consider how many sockets you'll need and how far you want those cords to stretch from your actual coffee bar. Being mindful of the fact that you'll have people probably around you with brewed coffee or hot water, and do you want them to accidentally spill water on those cords? So how that setup will really work because when you have coffee, something's going to spill. If you brew on your stovetop, consider how important it is for you to be within arm's reach of your bar when you're working at the stovetop. Or as an alternative, could you brew on a hot plate so you don't have to be so close to your stovetop? Yeah, like my home coffee bar is right next to the stovetop, but my I'm lucky because my counter has like an L. So I have a whole dedicated counter space, but I also have my cords, much like you do with a computer, I have my cords with these little Velcro ties around them. So if I have to unplug something, I can plug something else in and keep everything like nice and tidy. Yep, no, that's a great idea. And so for me, I like to go between multiple brewing devices. And anyone who knows me, Cindy, you know, uh, I don't like to see a lot of things. (laughs) I like my counters to be pretty bare. So I'm a huge fan of a mobile coffee cart. So if you were like me and neither option of having like a distinct bar area or having a bar too close to your stovetop sounds ideal, or if you just don't have the space for it, I strongly suggest considering a mobile coffee cart, which is uh, similar to a drinks cart. They, I think they're great for anyone who enjoys entertaining, for those of you who like like me, who like to brew with a variety of different heat sources, or if, again, for those who just don't have the space for a fixed coffee bar. As yeah, a- you know, people have uh, repurposed their microwave carts because now many microwaves are built in above your stove. Mm-hmm. So an old microwave cart can be repurposed even with a power strip on it. And so you can plug the microwave cart in and then you can do everything right on it and you can wheel it around fantastic. I have no idea what a microwave cart is, but it sounds like <laughs> a really good idea. I've never seen one, but it's, I think anything that has electricity or power strips and platforms is, is great. And, you know, some of these, I don't know about this microwave bar. I know that some home carts have fold down ledges or tray tables, which make it really nice because you could actually have like a little cafe table. That's exactly what an old microwave cart looks like. Okay. I'm going to have to Google this later. Okay. Definitely have no idea what this is. <laughs> 
So once you've identified the perfect spot for your coffee bar, the next thing to consider is how much storage and counter space you'll need to create a functional bar. So if you primarily brew with a pour over, odds are you don't need much counter space, just enough for a kettle, a scale, and your craft. But if you like to use multiple brewing devices, such as a drip machine, an espresso machine, a pour over, strongly encourage you to look for a bigger space because most of your high, what I would call high use devices or toys are going to end up on the counter. And it's just very difficult with coffee, with grinds, a grinder, if you are trying to work in a very small cramped space. Agree. In addition to counter space, you'll also need a space to store your coffee cups, your coffee, additional equipment. I like also to have a small trash or compost bin, cleaning supplies, and anything else you'll need to create your perfect cup and to clean up. <laughs> if you use milk or dairy alternative in your coffee, you may also consider building in a small mini fridge or getting those organic powdered milk cups so that you don't have to constantly traipse back and forth to your refrigerator. Yeah, perfect. So once you have your coffee bar foundation, the final structural considerations are your bar color and material. The best advice I can give here is that coffee spills and coffee stains. For this reason, my personal coffee bar counter preference is anything dark or wood colored. Basically anything that will mask coffee stains because, well, I know I'm particularly prone to spills, but I don't know anyone who regularly has coffee and hasn't spilled their coffee and hasn't spilled the grounds. Yeah, so, no, it's part of the charm. It's part of, I don't know if I call it part of the charm. I'd be happy if I never spilled it again, <laughs> but it's part of the reality. I'm just sloppy enough that I have to embrace the spill. Oh, no, I will never embrace it. <laughs> so for this reason, I strongly recommend investing in a washable backsplash and washable cabinet doors if you do have cabinet doors on your coffee cart. Just keep in mind that spilled coffee travels very quickly and it will slide down counters and cabinets at incredible speed. And coffee grounds, while they don't move as far, they will slip into crevices of pieces of wood if you do have a coffee bar made of wood, and it will permanently stain them. So coffee yeah. can be used as a permanent stain. And once those grounds get into a little crack or a piece of wood, it's incredibly difficult to remove the, the coffee stain. Well, I'd say make everything coffee colored. <laughs> uh, anything that you're gonna, it's going to be a work surface, I really recommend having it just be coffee colored or very dark. Yeah, good. Once you have your coffee bar space, the next step is to gather your equipment. So that would be grinders, brewing equipment, toys, toppings, anything you use when making a coffee or specialty coffee drink. If you only enjoy black drip coffee, this should be pretty easy. But if you enjoy a variety of coffee drinks, really I would say get all the toys you can and all the toppings. So for those of you unfamiliar with toys, what I would call coffee toys, <laughs> some of them that are great are hand and electric frothers. So if you like a milky espresso-based drink, the hand frothers do a great job. They take up almost no space. Or you can get a small electronic frother that's probably only eight inches high and four inches wide. Again, won't take up a lot of space, but will really create a nice frothy foam, foamy cup of milk. Yeah, Nicole, my, my little, what you're calling toys, my little gadget section would probably make you insane. It's like a giant basket filled with the gadgets. Oh, yeah, no, every I need everything. To, <laughs> yeah, every time I have to get a gadget, it's like I pull everything out, which I sort of like because I get to look at them all again. But, you know, we're coffee geeks. Like yours are neatly organized in the cabinet, mine are in a basket. But, you know, you do what you can. <laughs> yeah, everyone has, I, I mean, everyone has their own way they, they prefer to do it. I like things organized by by function, then by size, and then by use. So I bet I can be a little bit crazy with these things. But I'm going back to toys, another great thing to have around your coffee bar, particularly if you have a sweet tooth or if you have children that are around you often, are coffee flavoring syrups. So they go great with coffee, but as an extra bonus, you can also make 
I think it's more of an Italian treat for children with a little bit of coffee flavoring syrup, some seltzer water, or a little bit of flavoring syrup and some milk. And it kind of makes a great little fun coffee bar treat for children. You can have coffee toppings, which Cindy just mentioned. So my favorite are cinnamon, cocoa, vanilla, and nutmeg. You can have timers if you have a French press, fun spoons, latte art stencils, and just a host of other coffee tools that will allow you to play with and personalize your home barista menu. If you purchase multiple coffees at a single time, storage containers are another great investment. Not only do coffee storage containers provide a clean, chic, uniform look, as Cindy just mentioned, I love <laughs> uniform look. And they also extend the life of your coffee by preventing air and light from reaching the grounds and beans. So stackable baskets, which I just mentioned a basket, I'd probably go for multiple small baskets, but stackable baskets are also great to have on hand, especially if you use filters, spoons, stirrers, or anything that you're going to need to grab quickly when preparing or passing out the coffee. Yeah, if you go to an organizer store, there's even corner shelves with the baskets in them. There's all sorts of ways to, you know, maximize your small space if that's what you have. So just look into it. You'll find something that works for your own coffee bar. Yes. Or if you like the ding, if you like the treasure hunt, you can all Maybe. put them all together. Yeah, um, <laughs> the final element essential to a good home coffee bar is cleaning supplies. So lots and lots of cleaning supplies. Personally, I like to have a host of dark cleaning rags, paper towels, and then counter and floor sweepers on hand. If you enjoy cleaning your equipment, pipe cleaners are wonderful for le releasing loose grinds and debris and grinders. And then soap and water works pretty much wonders on everything else. I know a lot of you have probably used descalers or have heard of vinegar. I personally wouldn't recommend those unless you go to your uh, manufacturer recommendations for cleaning the machine because different machines are going to hold on to different scents and flavors differently. So Yeah, I concur with that. It's specific to each machine, so you should look it up. Yeah. And as a bonus tip, I recommend bringing some flair and theatrics to your coffee bar. <laughs> so when you are at your bar, you're the barista, you're the star, and pretty much everyone going to watch you and you have complete control over their coffee tasting experience, which I know sounds like a lot of pressure, but it can also be a great privilege as you can you can lead them through your coffee world. So some of my favorite ways to personalize my coffee area are with fun, quirky aprons, spoons. So they have the twisty spoons. You can have flavored spoons. You have cute mugs or teacups, or you can have handmade drink menus, which also can be a great little addition if you're having a party. If you're having a group of people over or like to dress up your family breakfast or brunch, you could consider placing a pastry basket on the corner of your your bar area or have a small chalkboard to advise a coffee drink of the day is if any of you look follow our blog you know we love to create coffee recipes so mm -hmm. you know if you were having a nice sunday summer brunch get together with family or friends you could have like a blueberry coffee cake latte or a french toast latte or if you're in the evening cindy has a lot of coffee cocktail drinks so I think yeah, I mean, if the kids are around, you could make them a milkshake and you can make yourself the coffee version that's slightly spiked. Yeah, so for that, I think the, I think the coffee of the day option is always fun. But then again, when I'm doing anything for a group of people at home, I like to limit the options. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to yeah only have on hand what I need. What do they say, Nicole? Keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss. Yeah. Well, yes, especially if you're making drinks because you have to gather specialty drinks. You have to gather supplies if it's not going to be your standard, you know, coffee, milk, chocolate drink, anything else you have to go gather. So I think definitely keep it simple. 
So if all this sounds good to you and you want to go wholly over the top, which is definitely where I land in the home coffee bar spectrum, you can name your bar. It's fun. It really makes the bar yours and it can be a great talking point at parties, which hopefully we'll start to have this year or next year. So with that, Cindy's going to walk you through some great tips for creating specialty home coffee drinks. Yeah, well, now that Nicole has helped you to create the perfect home coffee bar, let's start making some of those barista-worthy drinks. Most coffee house drinks start with a good espresso. So if you are fortunate enough to own an espresso machine, that's wonderful. My advice to you is to read your directions carefully. A correctly brewed shot is a fine combination of properly ground and properly tamped coffee brewed at the correct temperature. It may take you a little while, but you and your machine will bond and you will soon be pulling the perfect shot of espresso. So I'm going to take a moment here to review an espresso refresso, if you will. Okay, that's a bad joke, (laughs) but let's just remind ourselves what espresso is. An espresso is brewed when heated, pressurized water is rapidly forced over firmly packed, finely ground coffee. And this results in a concentrated brew having a strong, rich, and intense flavor. So what happens if you don't have an espresso maker? Well, you can still brew a wonderful shot using other pressure-based brew techniques, such as a mocha pot, which is a stovetop espresso, or an aero press. Personally, I am a huge fan of the mocha pot. It is an easy brew method, it's inexpensive, and it produces a lovely, rich espresso. If neither of these methods are available to you, you can even use your French press to make an espresso. It's an espresso light coffee. And if all else fails, you can use your drip machine, but it's going to be a little bit different. You should maximize the bean to water ratio, and you should use a strong, intense bean. But as I stated earlier, if my espresso machine was on the fritz, I would go with a stovetop espresso. Nicole? Yes, I would definitely go with a stovetop espresso. In fact, I often, if I'm just making an afternoon drink for friends or for family, my preference is to go for the stovetop espresso because it's easy. It's easier. You can make more than one at a time. Exactly. And you don't have to clean up. I mean, espresso machines are wonderful, but they take maintenance and you do have to really keep them clean or they will, they just won't taste right. They'll jam. So I'm a huge fan of the stovetop espresso. Yeah, your espresso machine has to be cleaned between each use and it has to be recalibrated really to get that, you know, full coffee house espresso. Whereas I think a stovetop espresso tastes wonderful every time. Well, anyway, the next foundational ingredient in most coffee house beverages is steamed and frothed milk. Well, the best way to achieve a velvety steamed milk with a fine microfoam is to use a steam wand, which is usually part of your espresso machine. There are many alternatives for steaming and frothing your milk at home. The most important thing to remember is that different methods result in varied foam and milk consistencies. Some will work better for different types of drinks than others will. So as a home brewer myself, I tend to use a hand frother most of the time. These little devices are rather like mini French presses. You heat the milk and then depress the plunger to gain your desired level of foam and silky, creamy milk. In my experience, you can even vary the speed and amount of plunging to obtain different levels of foam and milk. And my second favorite way to froth at home is a hand whisk. So both of these methods are easy and through trial and error, you can find the right levels of foam and silkiness for whatever drink you're making. But what I really, really love about these methods is that you can control the temperature of the milk pretty precisely before you even start frothing. Your milk should be heated to about 150 degrees Fahrenheit, but not above 160. 
If your milk is too cold, it will be unstable and the froth will collapse. If you overheat it, it can sour the taste of your coffee and become too watery. But these are just two methods. There are other methods to froth your milk. And as always, we will supply a link at the bottom of the podcast site to take you so that you can explore these methods on your own. Going into the summer months, I actually really love to use just room temperature or even slightly cold milk and use a hand frother to put on an ice latte, which I find to be the best. You can get incredible foam. And if it's really hot out, I just don't want a hot drink. <laughs> so I will froth it cold and with a hand frother and it works great. And personally, I love the hand frother because then you can just throw it in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. No, but what actually, Nicole, if you're making a cold drink, I didn't go into this, but you shouldn't heat your milk and then let it cool because it actually changes the chemistry of the milk and it can really affect the flavor of your drink. So if you're making an iced macchiato or something to that effect, you're supposed to froth the cold or room temperature milk. And that's what I do. And I love the hand frother for that. If you can get an electronic frother that doesn't heat, but I think the hand frother, usually you can froth in 20 to 30 seconds and there's just definitely no heat. It's great. Yeah, I agree with you. And let's say you don't have a hand frother, you can use your French press. It has the same general form as a frother. Yes, yeah, so I, I completely agree with that. The one word of caution I would give is if you're going to use a French press, most of them are glass. So be mindful of how much pressure you're putting on the tamper because it might crack. That would be my only word of caution for those of you who want to hand froth with your French press is just be careful. You don't want to ruin the filter on the press and you don't want to press with so much pressure or speed that you threaten the stability of the glass. No, I completely agree with you. And the other tip I didn't leave out is that you should never fill it the whole way because when you froth your milk, its size will practically double. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now we have our espresso and we have our froth milk. So we're ready to build most of our favorite coffee house drinks. While you can always add additional ingredients to your drink, like syrups and spices that Nicole mentioned earlier, milk and espresso are your basic building blocks. So let's go through some of our most familiar coffee drinks, starting with one of the most beloved, which is the cappuccino. But as a caveat, before I go any further, I just want to mention that a lot of these recipes have been changed over time, and you might have a slightly different concept of how you like yours, and that's great. And since we're making our very own coffee bar, you have that ability. You can even further adapt these drinks to suit your very own personal tastes. So let's begin with the cappuccino. A cappuccino is traditionally served in a six-ounce cup, and it's one-third espresso, one-third milk, and one-third foam. To make it, you pour your espresso into the cup, and then you top it with your milk and foam but pour the milk slowly. You can hold back the foam with a spoon and then add it at the end. Depending on your preference, you can adjust the milk to foam ratio from bone dry, which would be all foam, to wet, which would be more milk than foam. High quality microfoam is a true distinction of a good cappuccino. The foam is airy and light as compared to a latte, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So you might need to experiment with the method, temperature, and type of milk you use to get your foam to the desired consistency. And then if you want to get fancy, cinnamon, sugar, or shaved chocolate are often added to the top of a cappuccino. Next up is the macchiato. Traditionally, a macchiato is made with two ounces of espresso and a small amount of milk. The word macchiato actually translates to stained or spotted, and that's how you make it. You pour the espresso into your cup, and you dot it or you stain it with your milk. So since a small amount of milk is used, you will need to steam more milk than you'll actually use, but it will be worth it because it's delicious. 
And if you have difficulty controlling the amount of milk when you're adding it, you can use a tablespoon and scoop the milk on top. So what about those flavored ones you buy at the store like a caramel macchiato? Well, these drinks are usually prepared pretty much by reversing the proportions. There's more milk than espresso. And you actually spot the milk with the espresso. To prepare one at home, you would pour the flavored syrup into your mug, top it with the frothed milk, and then spot that mixture with the espresso. You would then drizzle the caramel sauce on the top. And interestingly enough, many caramel macchiatos are made with vanilla syrup. And the only caramel that's put in the drink is that drizzle on top of the finished beverage. And I didn't know that. Did you know that? I did know that, but I only knew that because Mills Coffee used to have a coffee cart. And when I was in, I believe, high school or junior high, I would be allowed to work there and make drinks. So, yeah, <laughs> not really work there, volunteer and make coffee drinks. So I did know that because I worked very closely with the barista there. Yeah. So we so. talked about customization and I've made, you know, various versions of caramel macchiatos. And that's exactly how I did it by spotting the froth milk. But I usually would add uh, vanilla syrup to the milk and a little bit of caramel and then finish it with the caramel drizzle. But as I said, that's the you know wonderful thing about having your own coffee bar. You can adapt the recipes to suit what you like, right? Yep. Okay, so next up is a flat white. This is an Australian coffee house favorite, although some people say it's from New Zealand, but I'm going to stick with Australia. And the word flat refers to the flattened foam on the top and white refers to the mixture of coffee and milk. So this drink has twice as much espresso as milk. And to prepare it, you pour velvety microfoam over the espresso. Now, the amount of microfoam is less than in a latte. And this results in a distinctive circle of crema from the espresso coming through the milk. The milk texture in a flat white is very important. It should be velvety smooth. So after frothing your milk, just tap the jar or the container gently to try to remove any of the larger air bubbles that might have formed. There is a minimum amount of froth. The temperature and technique used to froth your milk in a flat white are extremely important to creating the perfect beverage. So I brought up latte, so it's time for us to talk about a latte. A typical latte is 10 to 12 ounces, but the great thing about making it at home is that you can control the size. A latte is usually one-third espresso to two-thirds steamed milk. The espresso is poured into the cup, and then the steamed milk is added, and the drink is topped off with a very fine layer of microfoam. The steamed milk in a latte is often said to have a creamy, almost melted ice cream-like quality when it is done. So the last drink I'm going to discuss today is a cafe au lait. If you prefer a less intense coffee flavor than an espresso, a cafe au lait is for you. This French cousin of the latte is prepared with coffee rather than an espresso. To make one, you combine half a cup of coffee with half a cup of milk, although again, you can adjust these proportions to your liking. Typically, the coffee is drip-brewed, but you can use your favorite brewing method. It is recommended that you use a lower-acid coffee. This will stand up nicely to the large amount of milk that you find in a cafe au lait. So, as you can see, there are a plethora of drinks for you to play with in your coffee bar, and these are just a few. And as always, links to these and even more will be found on the podcast site and on our blog. But I'm going to leave you with one last thought. As Nicole mentioned earlier, the great thing about having an at-home coffee bar is that you can customize your drinks to your likings. You want a flavored latte? Add some syrup. Just keep a stock of vanilla, hazelnut, chocolate, almond, or any of a myriad of flavors at the ready. You can add spices, cinnamon, cardamom, 
cocoa, even turmeric, to name a few. You want a larger cup? Just adjust the proportions of the recipe to your liking. You can even create latte art and you don't need to be a master barista. Use a pre-bought stencil or even make your own. The point is when you are your own barista, you can have it your own way. So as always, thanks for listening, guys. And links to everything I mentioned will be found on the blog and the podcast site. And with that, I'm going to pass the mic back to Nicole. Thanks, Cindy. Those are some great tips. And I know I definitely love to play around with my coffee drinks and I'm when I'm the barista at home. So I strongly encourage everyone who's listening, if you have any desire to make coffee drinks, to, to play around with some of the advice Cindy gave, play around with proportions, play around with sizes, with flavoring. It's fun. And you might find something that's really unique and that you absolutely love. Uh, this concludes this episode of Coffee with the Queen. So thank you for joining us. Again, links to everything we discussed in today's episode are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. Finally, if you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts or by subscribing. And if you have any feedback or topics you'd like discussed, we would love to hear about them. We really want to make this podcast enjoyable for you and to present topics that you are actually interested in hearing about. So if you have any ideas, please email us at info at thequeenbean.com. Finally, to learn more about us or our coffee, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next month.